When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everybody, welcome back. Another episode of Simply Amazing, episode 200, by the way. Um, really quick before we get into the show, I just wanted to thank everyone who's listened along. Um, of course, Andrew Claudio, who's our original co-host here, also our producer here. Also, I should note, Andrew's going to be moving on, on to his own podcast, his own Mets podcast soon. Uh, of course, you guys all know him from Nick's Film School, uh, the, ter- the terrific work they do there. But um, yeah, keep an eye out because Andrew's going to be hosting his own Mets podcast soon. And you guys should definitely tune in and subscribe and all that good stuff because he's terrific at what he does and he knows the Mets very well. So um, again, Thank Andrew for everything he's done to get us to this point. Uh, thanks to Jacob Resnick. Jacob was my was our, our co-host here for, oh, I would say over about a third of our time here. And um, again, uh, just a million thanks to Jacob and the and the knowledge that he brought here and the the credibility that he brought to the show. Just um, you know, a very good friend and a. Uh, a terrific baseball mind. And of course, Taryn, my buddy, who's been listening to me drone on for, I don't know, about a minute now. And um, <laughs> this has been, you know, an incredible trip so far and we're going to continue on. And, and, and of course, all the, the, the guests and the, the support, you know, guys, this is um, 200 episodes of something I'd never thought I'd do It is, you know, got me that warm fuzzy feeling so i appreciate you guys listening along and and uh and taryn um we have plenty to talk about today for episode 200 so it's, let's just get yeah. into it i mean real quick uh I, I think there should be some credit to you also i i don't think that it's any surprise that um that good people want to work with you and and listen to what you have to say i, I think you, um you have a, a good mind for the game also and always appreciate our conversation. So I'm really grateful for the, uh, the opportunity to continue to do this with you as well. Oh, thanks, man. That, that really, um, means a lot. And, and, you know, this is, um, it's become a little part of, uh, of, of my life, of, of your life, of you know, everyone who's been involved, everyone who listens along. It's, I guess that's our, our goal is to, you know, carve out a little spot in everyone's day or week or whatever it is. And, you know, I think, Personally, I'm eternally grateful, and and yeah, if you know, just a, a million thanks for the the sentiments that you share, and and I guess the support that we receive is kind of uh, in the same vein. It still blows me away that people tune in mm-hmm. and listen. But um, hey, you know, we will keep on plugging along because it makes us feel good, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And so on that <laughs> note, um, uh, we, there was a bit of a meltdown uh, the last couple of days with the news that. Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos weren't going to make the well, opening day roster for the Mets. A justified meltdown. Yeah. I think that both of them had excellent springs um, really showing that they could 
participate at this level and and be valuable pieces of a winning club. But uh, what Billy Epler said was that there were still some developmental markers that they wanted to see those guys hit. What did you make of that comment? Well, um, you know, all right. So Brett Beatty absolutely did all he could to be on this club. I think him not making the opening day roster is through no fault of his own. Um, You know, they certainly do have some warts. Um, You look at Mark Vientos, I believe that the league leader in strikeouts this spring, I don't know who he was. I forgot who he was, but he had 24 strikeouts. Vientos had 21. Um, You know, the power's there. He's going to be a very, very accomplished young power hitter um, once he continues to put it all together. And, you know, if he could put it all together at this level, he could become a premier power hitter. But, yeah, there's probably still some seasoning there. You know what? There's probably still some seasoning for Beatty. I mean, he did very well this spring, tailed off at the end a bit. Um, I'm okay. I I mean, I should preface it with I'm okay with all of this right now. I'm okay with with both of them not starting the year with the big club. And part of my reasoning is that, you know, Right now, the Mets have incumbents in – well, at third base, you have Eduardo Escobar. Yeah. Um, Darren Ruff has taken up a roster spot right now, and, you know, we'll yeah. get into him. Having young, talented, on the cusp of being, of being, you know, bona fide major leaguers who could be, in time, productive major leaguers, you know, that's it. Those are good options to have. And I just personally want to make sure that the Mets are – I'm not make sure, but – I'd be a lot more encouraged if the Mets are quick to point out, oh, hey, you know what? Maybe these guys aren't going to be good for long, the long-term success of this club over 162. And, you know, maybe Beatty finds his way up by the end of the month, maybe early May. But, you know, I think there's a yeah. lot to shake out here. Well, I think that that's one of the comments that Billy made also. It's not like we are prepping this roster right now for uh, like a five-game series or a best-of-seven it's uh, it's not like a, a winner take all kind of roster. They've got to consider the fact that they're going to have to play 162 games in the next 183 days, and um, and so with that in mind, making sure that those guys are a- as ready as possible. And he didn't go into a, a ton of detail on these developmental markers that he mentioned. Uh, a lot of it was. Um, understanding how to use uh with Beatty specifically under, understanding how to use the speed um understanding when he should give ground on a ball um just being in more situations and i think that that is perfectly valid in that consider the fact that you know Brett Beatty has seen 17 games of action above the double a level they all happened in the second half of last year um and so to uh, the the examples that he brought up, uh, Rafi Devers, uh, Nolan Arenado, um, there's one other player I, I forgot who he was saying, but um, really good all-star. Uh, it was Austin level. Riley, by the way. Austin Riley, there you go. Yeah, so really good all-star level third baseman who uh, play really well both ways. And, I mean, those are the people that they're thinking about with Brett Beatty. So none of – the decisions here should be taken in the sense that they're they're minimizing the expectations for what these guys can be because Epler even said like he thinks that this that Beatty in particular can be a regular everyday player for a championship level club 
And I think that that's really high praise. Now, devil, uh, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Do you yeah. think that's kind of like a stroking of the ego, um, you know, type of thing? Or do you think the organization really views Beatty as, as that level type of player? No, I, I think he is that level player. I, I don't think that generally like top 25 prospects are not guys that you don't expect that level yeah. of production from. Uh, Honestly, I, I think that's kind of like the the low middle end of the scale of what you're expecting when you say like a top 25 global prospect. This guy's like the number two third base prospect on most lists. So right. who's, uh, who's in front of him right now? It's uh, the kid from uh, St. Louis, Gorman? He might be off the. No, off the no, no, no. I, I think Walker, right? Oh, is he at third? I know he's going to be playing some outfield this year. Um, I'm not sure, but the uh, I don't think that Billy's just saying that to say that because yeah. he's had the internal conversations, right? Like I imagine that they communicated all of these things to both Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos when they made the decision, and yeah. so I don't no. think that he has any reason to say that if he doesn't believe it. Yeah. Uh, well, I, now, how, how much do you think service time plays into this? Because I know, you know, Vientos only has, I think, like 20 something days. I think Beatty yeah, somewhere Beatty around 50, 50 days. Yeah, Beatty has 50 days, played in 11 games, and then he was on the, uh, the injured list, um, which, you know, you still accrue time during that. So uh, one year of service time, I think, is 172 days, yeah. even though there's 187 days in the season. And, uh, and Beatty, accrued that service time, not only for when he was called up for those 11 games, but also uh, the time that he was injured. And then, um, so this would really come into play, uh, not this year, but next year at the end of next season, because uh, what we're looking at there is the super two cutoff. And so for anyone that isn't familiar, like this past year, um, the super two cutoff was two years and 128 days. And that was a slight uptick. But what that number really means is the top 22% of players by service time between their second and third year of service time are eligible for arbitration a year earlier than they would be otherwise. And so when you talk about the extra year of service time, that's what that means. So like when the Cubs kept um, Chris Bryant down uh, to start the season, like that was probably one of the most um glaring examples of service time manipulation. Uh, and you see it all the time. Yeah, you see it all the time, but that was like top prospect. He was ready at that time. He had a great spring um, and he had played at the, the AAA level at that point. Uh, I, I keep coming back to this that Beatty really doesn't have a ton of experience. He hasn't logged a bunch of innings at AAA. Uh, Vientos honestly has is uh, outpaced him, right? He's played like a hundred something games at the AAA level. Yeah. And so um, with Vientos, I think it's probably more of a position thing that um, he's probably like a first base DH type, um, even though his defense improved, even though he showed that he could probably play a little bit of third base and maybe at least get to being average there. I think that the Mets still want to have a uh, the ability to kind of rotate guys through that DH spot and not just like lock it down for one guy and that too like a prospect that you don't necessarily know if they're ready or not. So for me, I think that uh, neither of them are probably motivated by service time. Um, and then the the larger point being that Baby doesn't have a ton of experience 
and Vientos is kind of like in a positional crunch. Now, since their service time clocks technically began last year, right? That window, that that Super Two window, would like you said, would be at the end of next season. So they would they would have needed to accrue two years plus 120 games. I know I think the year before was 80 something games. So it did. It jumped up quite a bit, actually. Well, it's by it's by days, not games, right? Uh, so- sorry, by by days. My apology, by days. Um, but. Now, wouldn't this so Super 2 might actually be out of the window by the time? I mean, it would be off the table since their clock began last year, right? They, they, uh, would, they wouldn't reach that Super 2 threshold, would they? Uh, if they uh, played two full seasons? Yeah, if they put, oh, then they would hit it anyway, right? No, I, I don't think that they would because I, I think that Beatty would be at like two years and 50 days, right? Yeah, if so. Played- if he was on the major league roster beginning this year and played through this year and next season. So he wouldn't make it. No, he wouldn't, he wouldn't even hit that threshold. Now, his first contract year or his first major league, his his service time began last year. So that's when the clock began. So either way, he would still be hitting that third season as an arbitration eligible player. Right. Yeah. He would not be super two eligible at this point. Yeah. So the whole service time thing really would – it doesn't really come into play here. Uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. And I hadn't done the math well enough to realize that, but I think you're you're correct. Huh. So, I mean, that's I, – I, we're, kind of, we're kind of hashing this out, like, as we talk, yes. as, we're, as we're recording. <laughs> but it kind of – it makes me feel even more encouraged that the Mets weren't – you know, they're they're willing to say, all right, you know what? And I think this applies more to Darren Ruff than Eduardo Escobar. I think Eduardo Escobar's hot finish last year really affords him the chance to not only keep his starting position, but, you know, of course he's going to be in the mix until he shows he can't be. I think Darren Ruff, I think that leash has to be real short. Because, again, I don't think it's a pure, okay, Ruff's out, Beatty's in, swap. Because, again, you're looking at a right-handed DH and a left-handed third baseman, uh, hitting third baseman. But, you know, you if Ruff doesn't produce and he's out, you know, you have Beatty who's ready to shift into third base. You have Escobar who had like an 8, 10, 8, 15 maybe OPS. I had it up this morning, maybe 8, 17. <laughs> Just throwing numbers out that might be in my head. But against left-handers last year. So, you know, it's almost a chain reaction where, hey, if Ruff doesn't work, you almost have to assume Beatty's going to slide right in. Like, I just don't get the the uproar. I understand the uproar. It's, you know, it's a very passionate fan base and everyone has an opinion. Everyone is entitled to their opinion. That's fine. But I guess, you know, I, I kind of just see where they're going with it and I'm okay with it. I, I, I'm, you know, I guess it is what it is. We're going to find out real quick whether Ruff can actually hack it. If that, you know, 600 batting average on the backfield actually means anything. But Right. Yeah, the multiple home runs. <laughs> how many? I wonder how many home runs you hit on the backfield. Anyway. God, um, I hope a bunch. I hope a bunch. <laughs> I, hey, I, look at J.D. Davis and what he did in San Francisco last year and what he's doing this year. Oh, what he's done. I don't even know what he's doing this spring, but he's in the part of that lineup, you know, in San Francisco with – Wilbur Flores and, and Michael Conforto, of course. Um, <laughs> you know, do you think Epler's trying to justify, uh, uh, a, you know, a bad trade? 
by keeping him around or, you know, are they giving him a window to produce with the hope that he actually can produce? I think that they're giving a, a, a veteran that they've seen do these things before, including last season, before he came over to the Mets, uh, a chance to, to produce before they cut the cord. I, but look, I think that they have shown and Steve, especially right. Make the baseball decision. And they did this with Robinson Cano. I guess that that's a little bit easier because they didn't make that trade. But and, still- and that's a, well, and, and it kind of evens out because Cano was making a bunch of money, and they said, "Hey, this ain't working. Let's cut it loose." Yeah, and and so I think that they are going to make the baseball decision if Darren Ruff doesn't show up. Look, I I think that the risk was probably bothering him, uh, but yeah. Buck said that it's not an issue now, and he said that it's not. Uh, he hasn't appeared on the injury report recently. The wrist should be good to go, right? So you're healthy. You get kind of one shot here. I think they'll let this string play out until the end of the month. And if it's not at a position where there have been signs of progress for Darren Roth, that he's not uh, producing in the lineup, I think that they'll cut him loose. I, I don't think that the Mets are like, beholden to a bad trade. That's a really nice thing about Steve Cohen's money is that they can kind of just like, it gives them more freedom to get over mistakes. That's the thing about money, right? Like if, if a, if a club with a smaller operating budget makes that kind of trade, it doesn't work out. Maybe they do stick with the guy because they don't have other options. And, and maybe that team is conscious of service time that they really want to make sure that they don't bring the guy up too early because they can't afford to keep them in that last year. So uh, I, I think that they will make the right decision here, whatever that ends up being. And I, I'm not ready to cut the cord on Darren Ruff either. Like, look, he was terrible last year. It was also just a bad year for him personally. Um, and, and I know that we've talked about that, the loss of his father and all of that stuff. I have to imagine that that, that, that combined with – being traded midseason, having to move across the country. I know that other guys do it and they produce and it's fine, but that, you know, he's not every guy and it's his situation particularly. So let's see fresh start. Let's see how it plays out. And if it doesn't play out, I have the ultimate faith in uh, ownership and the front office to uh, cut, cut ties with him. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent confident. Um, you know, these are their, <laughs> these new Mets or whatever they want to call themselves. It's, um, yeah, no, 100% confidence that they're ready to make the move if they have to. And it's a really nice feeling that they have the options ready to go. Yeah. You know, and, and it's it's homegrown options. And the fan base loves that stuff. And I, and I get the, um, the angst with, oh, they're not ready. Because, you know, you look what Pete Alonso did a couple of years ago in 2019. The Mets gave him the vote of confidence. He was right. supposed to be a platoon with Dom Smith that year, and he won that job outright by, like, the end of April. But, um, you know, these things can go both ways. And, and, and you know, making the opening day roster, I'm sure it would have been a tremendous, you know, joy for Brett Beatty and the fans and that home opener with him. And he might still be there at the home opener. We have no idea. But, you know, it, it was – um it would have been real cool for him to get there. And he certainly earned it this spring, but this is a, it's a decent place for the Mets to be with good, solid options waiting in the wings, not only good, solid options, 
homegrown solid options waiting in the wings. And it almost signifies like a new era. And, and maybe that's part of the anxiety with bringing Beatty in. Cause you know that Alvarez is coming next and then, then Vientos and then Ronnie and, you know, someone brought up on Twitter on Sunday, like, Oh my God. And, you know, look, look at Syracuse's roster coming up uh, this yeah, season. Full of that's going to be, that's going to be a draw, man. I'm taking a trip upstate for sure. <laughs> yeah. That, that lineup is, uh, is nasty. <laughs> you just got to wonder how long they're all going to be there together. But, um, you know, again, it's a good problem to have, I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I, I think we both seem fine with the decision right now. And yeah, we're, it's it's me, you, and like a dozen other people. Everyone else is just <laughs> furious. <laughs> um, I I think it'll be okay. And and um, it'll be okay. Look, and it, <laughs> like like we couldn't have gone through last season and like living and dying with every game, the scoreboard watching, like really being uh, put through the entire roller coaster for 162 and then ending up, you know, in that virtual tie, but losing because of the uh, the head-to-head like that. And then all of that not mattering, right? Like the Phillies <laughs> go to the World Series anyway, they win the pennant. Well, hey, um, I mean, and there's, but there's, you know, there's, merit to both both sides of that argument where oh every game counts the Mets should have the best roster out for every game yeah I get that too but the team that gets hot and carries it through the postseason is the team that gets furthest in most cases um if you have to wait for Vientos to come up in August and hit 10 home runs to finish out the season and then stay hot or Alvarez come in in midsummer and do the same thing as a right-handed DH whatever yeah both (laughs) <laughs> the, the pieces are there. Like, I don't know if, how, how close Ronnie is, but what he showed this spring, again, it's leaps and bounds forward. It's just it's an exciting time to be a Mets fan. And, and it's completely like just specifically with Ronnie, right? He's completely uh, restored his value as a prospect. Like the, well, there the- were still outlets that had him up there, but not not as high as he probably should have been. No, but but I mean, even in the eyes of other teams. Right. And so if that ends up being a piece that the Mets are able to move to get, you know, whatever it is, more pitching or, or, or something else, like it's a high value piece. He's the piece that could anchor an entire package uh, as opposed to what it was this time last year. So, yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, that's been, it's, it's really been a lot of good news for the Mets. I, I, as you know, as bad as some of the bad news has been sprinkled in Diaz. Hey, and what's, you know, this has pretty much been a quintessential Mets spring. Good news and bad news sprinkled in just depending. It varies on, on, on how much is mixed into the, into the batch. That's right. And I think that they made, you know, a lot of good moves this winter to kind of uh, develop that depth in order to uh, stave off. If there are, injuries and there have been and hopefully you know everybody is in bubble wrap this last game and nothing bad will happen knock on wood oh gosh we're recording this at 345 eastern and uh, the mets final spring training game starts at 410 i believe <laughs> and boy taryn i hope he didn't just jinx them no 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 i knocked on wood it's okay okay good good i have wood in front of me too so um guys i think we're going to take a very quick break come back and we just want to talk about a couple more things and uh Hang tight. We'll be right back. 
Have you ever experienced turbulence on a flight and wondered why? And you can see all the terrain around you. Uh, you've got no issue with visibility or anything? No, everything's peachy. Maybe you've sat on the tarmac for hours wondering why your plane isn't moving. Well, we're outside here. They're saying the ramp is closed. They won't let us park because of the uh, Air Force walk. Listen in on the conversations between pilots and air traffic controllers on the Air Traffic Out of Control podcast. 5130 declaring an emergency. There's smoke in the cabin. I need to make a landing right now on 31 left. We have the most interesting, wild, and funny ATC recordings you will ever hear. Check out Air Traffic Out of Control wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And we are back. Um, Taryn, what have you thought of this? Uh, I guess it was a, 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 a fight for the sixth spot, a sixth starter spot. Now we're uh, whittled mm-hmm. down to five for the uh, for the time being. But um, it's fair to say that David, David Peterson's pulled away with this uh, fifth starter competition. Yeah, I think so. And I think he had the inside track to begin with, given the fact that Quintana is not going to be available as the lefty in the rotation. And so um, to be able to have Peterson step up this way and uh, really show that he's uh, matured as a pitcher and that he's valuable as a starter, in addition to being super valuable as kind of like a swing guy the last year and change um, is awesome. And you talk about homegrown, right? Like they took him in the first round. And this is about what you could expect from a, a pitcher that you take in the first round. So that's, um, that is really exciting. And I, I'm pumped to see him um, start games for the Mets. Now, are you at all concerned with the inconsistency that Tyler McGill's kind of shown this spring? And shout out to friend of the pod, Jerry Blevins, who is outstanding on the, uh, on the game call, I guess I was watching on Saturday. It was McGill's outing and Jerry pointed out that, um, that McGill's body language was just, you know, very indicative of, of someone who was frustrated and frustrated at themselves. And I guess even when, after a strikeout, he was still pissed off about a previous at bat. He threw his, uh, rosin bag down. Like, you know, when McGill's right, when Tyler McGill's right, he's, has the potential to be just a, a terrific addition to the rotation, yeah. to, to a pitching staff, however you want to use him. Cause he's expressed the willingness to be used, however helps the team. And I think that's awesome. But yeah. Um, you know, with his stuff and his makeup, when he is right, I think he could be a terrific part, but if he's not right and he's not executing how he wants to, you know, I'm perfectly fine with him. With Peterson, you know, taking that step up and, you know, keeping McGill around because, again, all it takes is this is for everybody, not just for athletes. You know, one good session or one even just one someone says one thing to you and it's like, wow, it puts everything in perspective and and whatever's bothering you kind of just melts away. And you almost feel like McGill's in that spot where he's just an adjustment away. And um, yeah. Being able to have him and Peterson, who's looked really good, a little bit of command issues, um, but both of them have had moments of looking really, really good this spring. You know, if the stuff that you're supposed to work out in spring training is worked out and is worked out in quick order once the season does begin, if it is lingering, 
these two are going to be just, you know, really, really important pieces moving forward, especially with Quintana being out for, you know, at least through July or through at least yeah. June into July. I think it's a good point, especially because it's not like there are a ton of homegrown pitching prospects coming through the the system that are close to being ready, right? No, so, no you've got Ziegler and Hamill um, probably leading the way as far as guys who are looking front of the list, but they're still a, a while away. I believe they were a 2021 draft. Yeah, and so I don't think that there's anybody that's going to be ready this year, right? So it's really like the group that we have is what we're rolling with. And so to have a little bit of depth in that way, but um, so a couple things that you said, having McGill around, uh, it's been pretty well documented that he's been working with Scherzer, um, trying to uh, uh, control the the fastball velocity a little bit more to give himself um, a longer leash in games, uh, just a skill of being a starter, right? Uh, something that he's been working on that he took a tip from Max on that. The other thing that Max, um, that he's been working on with him uh, and Hefner, I presume, but the uh, like throwing that slider a little bit harder. And um, he's kind of struggled this spring, uh, especially in the last outing of getting that um, under control, being able to throw that at the way that he wants. And so, you know, we know, right, that that spring is all about kind of working out those things. What do I want to, uh, to work on today? It's the same reason why, uh, you know, that the ghost fork wasn't thrown a lot by Senga in the last, uh, outing, which we talked about in the previous episode. But, um, I was happy to see that Buck said that, uh, McGill is healthy and that, um, that he's going to be able to help them this year. So, uh, yeah, I thought, I thought that that was still good stuff, even though, you know, he struggled, gave up those few runs. Uh, I'm not so worried about the outcome as I am that he's locked into that process. And so if he's frustrated, it's because he knows that he can do better than what he's doing and that he's shown himself that he can do better than what he's doing. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and we've seen it. He's just a strike thrower. Um, boy, I, I, I don't want to waste time and try to pull up the stats, but you know, for, I want to say through his probably first dozen or so major league starts um his first pitch his first pitch strike rate and his overall strike rate were both among league leaders and i'll i'll probably reference that at some point in the next day or two and pop it up on twitter but um you know throwing strikes is tyler mcgill's thing and if he's not throwing strikes yeah you know it's minor tweaking uh, at least that's you know what i would expect um but yeah i <laughs> Overall, it's just, you know, there's always going to be little, you know, loose ends to tie up as the season begins. But I'm feeling generally pretty good. And, you know, I kind of want to talk about expectations to clone out to close out the show. And, you know, how do you kind of factor in the expectations that are tied to this club and the general getting your stuff in order? getting your ducks in line before uh, before the season begins. Like, as a fan, do we feel, as fans, do we feel any different? Or is this just business as usual with a higher payroll? Yeah, it's a good question, right? Um, uh, for me, after watching last year, and it's probably something that I should have known in all of the years I've been watching baseball, but 
I, I think I'm going to try to focus more on the big picture. Last year, we were really chasing the division very hard. And, uh, and so I was obsessed with that, um, obsessed with toppling the Braves and then realizing at the end of it that um, it's just about being good at the end of the season. Um, that is uh, kind of stuck with me. And so for me, I'm going to try to be less upset about the, the day-to-day and focus a little bit more on what we're doing and what we're building towards. Um, that said, I still expect the team to win 90-plus games, right? And I know that that's not like a low expectation. That's that's a, a really difficult thing to accomplish. The Mets have only done it like, I don't know, 10 times in their 60 years or something like that. 61. Um, Going on 61. So uh, – yeah, I, I don't know. I'm going to try to be a little bit more even keel, I think, and and try to remember that it's about what's at the end as opposed to like, you know, it's May and the, <laughs> the Mets blow one and then you're like going to let that ruin your day. Uh, I'm going to try <laughs> not to let that happen to me. Well, hey, you know, fans, fans will fan and and every fan has the right to fan how they wish. And I, I cannot stress that enough. Agreed. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I'm a very much a big picture fan. I mean, I'm, I'm turning 40 this year and um, I mean, had the first full season I watched as a Mets fan was like 1991. So I've seen a lot as as far as ups and downs and, and especially expectations and hopes dashed. But I've never really quite seen anything like what the Mets are doing now. And and um, I guess in that sense, to me, this is it feels special. It feels a little bit different. But, you know, generally, it's this is just, you know, it's the excitement of opening day. It's the excitement of a new season. Um you know, I think once once we as fans start, you know, putting or, or you know putting weight in the, oh well, they spent all this money, they'd better win. You know, they they spent a lot of money, but boy, they built this group for power and for speed. You know what I mean? Like they they built this team, trying with I guess to to just pull out every stop they could, and you know maybe they fell short, but like we said earlier in the show, we have every confidence. Uh, every confidence in this club that they'll go out and do what they have to do to 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 bring everything up to snuff and you know I, i'm i'm excited for again the whole vibe that this organization has has kind of created for themselves and it's it's a multitude of things it's the money they've spent it's now it's, it's this whole like it's almost like a pr push um and it, it's working the mets are I don't want to say the face of New York, but um, boy, you know, you you throw another hundred win season out there, and you make some waves in the postseason. You're getting there, um, and and I don't think that Steve Cohen's point is to is to take over New York and and be the Yankees, but taking over New York and being the Mets, that would be um, borderline miraculous. And it seems like when the Mets peak, they are you know miracle type <laughs> they do miracle type things and it, it almost feels like they, they're that close to um to doing something that special yeah i agree uh, and i'm i can't wait uh, i've had uh spring fever for like 
many weeks now and uh baseball is really like the sign of uh of the change so i'm i'm so excited and i i can't wait to follow this season with you oh same here man and and real quick on a personal level how how easy for you is it to to manage that that career side life side everything else with with getting yourself amped up for baseball and admittedly i've i had a tough time i've had a tough time this spring locking myself in just because i've been so busy and i haven't been able to watch every game as i would you know if games are on at 7 10 p.m or whatever uh, you know whatever the case may be um do you ever find yourself like having to psych yourself up for baseball or do you just snap right in no, I, I have generally been able to be because it's something that I look forward to every year. And and for me, like the winter is so exciting also because I, I follow that very closely. Um, you, were, you, were in, you were in that life. Right. And so uh, for me, like it's like, OK, you did all these things in the winter that we we were all really excited about. Like, let's see how it pans out. And so the season is like the proof of all of that. So for me, it's always been really exciting. But also just I'm a big fan of summer and good weather. And so <laughs> baseball always marks that for me. Baseball is like this perfect calendar. Um, and so I, I I'm really excited like i am every year and i can't wait to get to the ballpark and um it's just going to be such a fun season like uh, there are so many teams that are competing right now it, it seems like and teams that are uh spending money and so for every team that's kind of like tanking and they don't care and they're not they don't find it important to try to win for their fans there's like a bunch of teams that are really trying so uh you know, I'll follow the league generally. Obviously, I follow the Mets super closely. But um, since I live here in Minnesota, I'm going to follow the AL Central really closely. And that's going to be tight, right? Like the the Tigers spent all this money. It didn't work out. They cleaned house. Um, the Royals have a bunch of young players. The Twins have spent a lot of money and they've developed a, a good amount of pitching. It's time to see like what that's going to look like. They've made some trades. And then the the Guardians, Cleveland is like the perfect example of a homegrown club, right? And they they got hot at the right time last season. So I'm excited to see all of those narratives. And baseball every single year is like this awesome story that's that gets told. And uh, and so I, I'm beyond excited. And I, I think that there's going to be so much good competition and everybody's going to play everybody now. So we'll get to yeah. see a lot of these teams match up. Dude, the Yankees and the San Francisco giants are starting the season against each other, which I think is so cool. Um, awesome. my, my dad's dad, I guess was a big giants fan. My grandfather. Um, this is of course before the Mets were even a, a twinkle in New York's eye, but yeah, um, you know, you, you go to Mets giants games or you, you, even when I, I have gone to a couple of the Yankees giants games, there's only been a couple at the stadium, but um, the energy is so is so high. I thought it was pretty cool that they lined them up for the first, you know, for the first series. Um, it's you know, it's baseball. I'm with you, by the way. The AL Central is going to be really exciting. By the way, shout out to Southside Sox. I'm gonna be having some content up there in the next uh, hopefully week or so. Again, very very busy. And I swear we're going to be writing at the Apple. I've just been kind of saving my uh, saving my stuff for the regular season because I burnt myself out <laughs> going uh, going pretty much full full bore for the past five years, and uh, I needed a long break. But anyway, um, 
yeah, I think it's, I think the Padres are going to be um, a very, very good team. I think, of course, the Dodgers are going to be fun. I think the Dodgers are kind of like slept on this year, right? And they're, oh, they're, they're still going to be gonna good. Win How are they not going to be good? Yeah. I think the Phillies are going to, are really going to be tougher, you know, than they have been. Of course, adding Trey Turner will do that. Not having Harper is going to slow him down, but the confidence that that, they have better starting pitching now, too. Yeah, they, all, they very much do. Uh, did you see that Aaron Nola, I guess the contract discussions broke down and, and he'll be entering free agency after the season? Oh, no. You hate to hear that. <laughs> well, hey, he's still a very, very good pitcher, man. He was. I want to say he led the league in F-War last year. Yeah, he's nasty. He's nasty. I don't know. You know, the Phillies are spending all this money. He just wants his, I assume. Yeah, no, that's as good a one-two in a rotation as anywhere in baseball. Yeah. Oh, and, you know, Wheeler goes under the radar. Um, I know he had some injury stuff last year, but, you know, yeah, uh, that, that's going to be a really good team. Um, I think the Orioles are taking a very big step forward this year. I think the Guardians are going to make themselves like the antithesis of, of of today's game where it's so predicated on power. You know, Cleveland's going to – they're 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 gonna single and bunch you and move the runner over you to death and and, and then hope that Josh Naylor runs into one. And Josh that's Naylor and have Josh Bell too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was actually talking to my brother today, and he has a fantasy draft tonight. And I'm like, you know, Josh Bell's gonna be like him and Ramirez are gonna be power sources there. And I know Ramirez yeah. is more of a doubles guy, but he has. 30 home run potential. I don't have his numbers. He does. Yeah, he is awesome. I, I think um, when people talk about uh, best player in baseball, Ramirez always gets left off the list, but he is a top five guy for me. Oh, I think Devers is going to earn his paycheck and then some this year. I think Devers is going to have an MVP type campaign. You mentioned the O's. I wish they had spent some money. This, oh, uh, they, this I think they will. Once. Dude, you know what the all right? So the Orioles have all the tradition in the world, but they never seem to want to push themselves over the line. It almost you have like it's almost like ownership waits until they're as close to the line as they could possibly get, and then like, all right, you know what? Let's do what we could do. And I think it was the Buck season, twenty eleven. Yeah, Jones Machado's first couple, twenty thirteen, maybe twenty fourteen, maybe. Boy, I'm I'm confusing the 2010s. Apologize, but anyway, well, the, the the 2016 season is the one where they um he he didn't bring in Britain, right? Yeah, yeah, but I think that they really they were good. 14, 15, 16. I, I want to say 14 because that was Manny's. I think they won the AL East. Right. Okay. All right. But like, and and ah, who did they go out and grab? Anyway. I, besides the point they almost it almost feels like that's a type of organization like the new york giants are and the new york giants when ownership there almost knows that okay we're close now we're going to go out and spend some money like they're, they're not a perennial all right let's go out and we're going to put put together the best team we can every single year they're not really like that and they haven't shown to be like that in, in a very long time and it's only they only really make that push when they know that they can really compete. So the Orioles have a great, and I'm not talking a good, I'm talking a great young core. And they made such great progress last year. I think that's going to be a team 
I mean, you could look at the Blue Jays too, but I think that's going to be a team to look at like right away. Like, boy, this is everyone just ready to turn a corner. I think Ryan Mountcastle could have a terrific season for Baltimore because, you know, he was in a, a highly touted rookie, but he was on that like upper class of rookies. He was hot and cold. He's got doubles, consistent doubles written all over him. His exit velocities are, are really, really impressive. I think this is a guy who could, under the radar, lead a team. Cedric Mullins is, of course, you know, 30-30 capability. We saw it a couple of years ago. Um, very, very impressed with Baltimore. And if they, if ownership really, really put a effort into taking them to the next level, I don't think it would take a lot. Yeah, I agree. Sorry for the long-winded 12, speech 12, on Baltimore. <laughs> 12, 14, and 16, they went to the playoffs with Buck. And Machado made his debut in 13? Uh, oh, I, I thought you had it up. I'm sorry. I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I think he did. I want to say last – no, maybe it was 12. The last year 12. was – no, 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 12? Okay. Yeah, he played 50 games in 2012. Okay. So he's played like 10-plus seasons and he just turned 30. Because he's a guy I have in my uh, – I'm, I'm looking at him and Arenado as potential – First ballot Hall of Famers at the same position, pretty much running a almost identical career time span. And I was trying to run it through my brain, like, who's other players who have done that? Like, you know, it's going to be a, quite a, um, a Cooperstown vote once they, they both hit that window, if they both end up retiring at the same time. Yeah, so he's at 10 years and 56 days right now. <laughs> That's awesome. And Arenado, I know you have it open. I know you're quick, too. <laughs> I'm looking. It's got to be right around the same time. Yeah, he's uh, Arenado has nine years, 155 days, so he's almost at 10 years. Okay. Yeah, that that should be exciting because uh, I, I don't. I think if you look at the first half of both their careers, Manny did it quietly. Arenado did it with such flash and such pedigree. And you know, Manny. Don't not to say that Manny wasn't. You know just equal the player that that Nolan Arenado has been but you know it almost look it almost seems like such totally different path they took their stats are so similar <laughs> it's ridiculous right wow it's crazy it's it's absolutely nuts but really can you think of another i guess and it's with outfielders i guess you know it's tough to really pair them up like that cuz there's three positions but you know, infield positions where you're looking at two surefire Hall of Famers, both right around the same age, both who are probably going to retire around the same time if both stay healthy, both unquestionably superstars. Like, have we ever really seen that where it's so easily like, boy, these two are unquestionably the best of their era at their position? Yeah, I can't think of one off the top of my head. No, it's mostly rhetorical. That'd be impossible. But, boy, now I've got my own wheels turning now. Boy, we've gotten so off topic, but I dig it. <laughs> there, that was our season preview right there. <laughs> oh, I wanted to shout out the San Francisco Giants, who I think are going to take a step forward. Yeah, I'd love to see that. Uh, I think that. I think that J.D. Davis is going to have a nice year. And I'm really, really rooting for Michael Conforto. I almost sold his cards. Uh, this off season, but I didn't. And uh, I think that's part of 
I still root for him, and we're going to hold on to him. So, Scooter, you're uh, you're still in our hearts, pal. <laughs> uh, we got anything else? I know we'll be back um, on opening day, and uh, I guess after the game on opening day, and that'll be that'll be our next episode. You got anything else cooking right now? No. All Just right. So, guys, next time we talk, we're going to be um, in in the 2023 season, knee deep. The games will count. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. You doing anything on Thursday? It's a four four ten start, right? Yeah, uh, I'm not well, sure four, yet. Four ten Eastern, so three three o'clock Eastern for you. Right. Three yeah. o'clock Central. Central. For you. Yeah. No, that wouldn't make any sense. If I can, uh, if I can watch a little bit of it, I'll be uh, I'll be happy. Oh, go ahead and take a lunch. Take a long lunch. They won't. They won't ask where you are. Yeah. Yes, they will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm starting at like six a.m. so I could leave at uh, well, I start at seven anyway. But I'm starting even earlier so I could leave with plenty of time to uh, to get in front of my uh, in my watching chair. You know how it is. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait. All right, buddy. You have a good week, everybody. Thank you again. Two hundred episodes. I'm blown away. Um. Really, thank you all so much. Shout out to Andrew. Shout out to Jacob. Of course, shout out to you, Taryn. Shout out to every guest who's come on. The list is too long to uh, to even begin to go through. Shout out to Mesmerized for for giving us a home early on. Um, really, really couldn't probably couldn't have built the base that we could have without you. And uh, hello to my friends there. So um, yeah, guys, we'll see you next time. And yeah, let's fucking go Mets. But let's do it in the regular season. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time for 201. Peace.